This is the Life Church Podcast. Good morning. Um, when you walked in and sat down, you saw one of these uh, little pouches on your chair. Make sure to hold on to that. We will be using that at the end of the service. Uh, anyway, you're like, what in the world is going on? It's a mystery. You have to wait 30 minutes. All right, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, there's a passage that I think many of us are very familiar with. It goes like this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I think oftentimes we can read this and, uh, and maybe catch something from it, but don't always exactly know what that means. Again, Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Years ago, uh, I used to, uh, believe it or not, I used to actually preach every Sunday morning with a suit and tie on. And, uh, and so um, there was a season in my life where I had to have suits every Sunday. So I had several suits in my closet. Uh, I remember one weekend, though, uh, Saturday rolled around, and I didn't have a suit a clean suit for Sunday. And if those of you have worn suits, you know what I'm talking about. You're like going through all your suits, like making sure, okay, is this one acceptable? Is this going to pass? Can I, can I preach with this one? This doesn't smell really good, but does it have any baby spit up on it? You know, does it have any, any, you know, lunch marks on and somewhere on the, on the coat? And, you know, and so none of them passed the test. So I needed a suit overnight and I contemplated maybe I'm going to have to preach without a suit coat. And, uh, but I remembered I, there was a dry cleaner, not the one I used, but there was a dry cleaner in town that had a sign outside that said one hour dry cleaning. And so I thought, I'm just going to go there and get dry cleaning done. So I, I ran over there. I, I took two suits with me, you know, to get them cleaned. I walked in, I saw the sign, it's all nice and lit up, you know, one hour dry cleaning, you know, I threw the suits on the table and I said, Hey, I'll be back in a couple hours to pick these up. You don't even have to do it in an hour. Just give it to me in three hours. You know, it's fine, right? And right then and there, she informed me, said, well, uh, sorry, sir, it's not going to be ready until Monday morning. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, The sign doesn't say two-day dry cleaning. It says one-hour dry cleaning. You know, what's the deal here, you know? She's like, well, that machine's broken. We, We just really don't offer those services anymore. And I'm like, well... I didn't say this, but I'm like, take the sign down because you're claiming to be something that you're really not, right? That you offer services in one hour, and that's not true. It does not happen. And so Jesus would tell us, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are you when you stop hanging up signs (laughs) on the outside that don't really reflect who you are on the inside. That's really what he means by blessed are the pure in heart. So we're in this series uh, called Eight Hills where we're talking about the values of life, church, and today we're going to look at our fifth value, which is authenticity. It goes like this. Telling the truth allows us and the people we're in relationships with to experience freedom and growth. We reveal who we are, what we love, and what we struggle with, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we allow God to shape and change us from there. Authenticity. Here at Life Church, we value authenticity. It doesn't mean that, that everybody's authentic, but we value that as an ideal, something that we want to live for, something we want to go after, we want to chase after. That verse in Matthew is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's basically the very first sermon that Jesus is preaching. It's 
and specifically the part that I read is part of the Beatitudes. In other words, uh, we, we know the Beatitudes. They start with blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. It's a whole list of Beatitudes. And essentially what that means, translated, means happy are you. You will find true happiness if you live this way. You will find true blessedness if you live this way. And specifically today, you will find true happiness. True happiness can be found when you have a pure heart. Blessed are those who are not pretending to be more than what they really are. And if that's you, then true happiness can be found there. The truth is, the truth is, it's exhausting. It's exhausting, it's frustrating, it's miserable to be a full-time actor. Everywhere you walk, everywhere you go, you just have to keep up a, a facade, a face, a pretense, so that you can live up to what people think of you, right? It's liberating, it's freeing to be authentic and pure in heart. Now, I don't mean perfect heart. It doesn't mean we're all perfect. It just means that we're in this journey and we're just being real. We're being authentic. Our lives, our lives on the inside, our lives on the outside are lining up with our lives on the inside is essentially what, what Jesus is talking about. So he says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. That word pure, the idea in, in, the, in the languages is this idea of an undivided heart, an authentic heart, a sincere heart. That's what pure in heart means. Now, in the Roman world, you know, if, you're, if you watch any movies, you know that the Roman world had a lot of sculptures, right? Even to this day, there are sculptures that are very famous that date all the way back to the Roman world. There was, it was a popular profession. There were a lot of sculptors out there. Um, it was a popular profession because, like I said, there was sculptures to be made. There was little icons that people would make of different gods that they would put on their nightstand, there was large sculptures that they would make that they would put out in like in a, in a courtyard or someplace where, you know, they wanted to be visible. There was many, many gods to depict in these little icons or these little idols that they would make, right? And so like all things, there were good sculptors and there were not so good sculptors, right? You have sculptors who were trying to make a quick buck and they wouldn't do a great job necessarily at what they were doing. And because of that, the legitimate sculptors, the good sculptors, they started stamping something on their sculptures every time they completed a sculpture. This is what they would stamp on their sculptures. It's up there. Sine sera. Sine sera. Anybody know what, what English word do we get comes from that? Sincere. It literally means without wax. Without wax. Sincera. Spanish, sincera, you would say it in Spanish, without wax. And the reason why that's what they would stamp on there is because the less proficient sculptors, the, the ones who were trying to make a quick buck would start making a sculpture and there would be imperfections in their sculpture and they, then they would get wax and they would fill the imperfections of their sculpture up. The really good ones, when they were building their, their sculpture, if, if by chance there was an imperfection, they would basically throw the whole thing out and start all over again. And what they would do is they would stamp Sinaceta on it and then they would take their sculpture, put it out in the sun, and they would prove that their sculpture was, was actually the legit thing, the real thing. Because otherwise, if it, was a, if it was a fake, if it was a lesser quality one, the wax would melt away and it would reveal the ugly truth of what this sculpture really was all about. 
sincera, sincere. And in many ways, I think this is what Jesus is getting at when he says, blessed are the pure in heart. That a blessed life is a life of faith without wax. A life without wax. It's a heart that is sincere and authentic. And if that's what you are, if that's what's there, then blessed are you, the pure in heart. And it's interesting that, that Jesus opens his ministry with a sermon where he's giving a list of beatitudes, a list of blessings, right? That's the Sermon on the Mount, starting in Matthew chapter 5, 5, 6, and 7. And so on the front end of his ministry, you find that he's giving this list of, of blessings, this list of beatitudes. But then if you go into Matthew, you find the last sermon that Jesus preaches is found in Matthew chapter 23. And then on the other hand, it's not a list of blessings, it's a list of woes. So Matthew books and book, bookends the ministry of Jesus with a list of blessings on the front end and a list of woes on the back end. Right, The seven woes you found in, in Matthew chapter 23. If you look at those woes, what you, woes, what you find is that Jesus is, is condemning, he's coming against hypocrisy. And this is how he defines hypocrisy in Matthew chapter three, 23, verse 5. Everything they do is for show. Everything they do is for show. I like how the message puts it. Their lives are perpetual fashion shows. Everything they do is for sure. It's not real. It's not pure in heart. And so we find that Jesus begins and ends his ministry with that, with this idea. Blessed are you if you're authentic. Woe to you if you're inauthentic. If it's just a show. The word woe is, in, if you probably learned this in school, it's an onomatopoeia. I had to actually put that in phonetics here. I did not spell it out correctly because it spell, the, the spelling, you would never get that out of the spelling. But it's this idea in grammar that a word, the definition of a word comes from how the word sounds. So woe, right? It's like this, it's like woe, you know, it, it, like something hap- is happening. There's grief that comes from, from this idea of woe, but it's also a curse, so Jesus is saying, if you live this inauthentic life, your life is cursed. He's also saying, if you live this inauthentic life, there's grieving that comes. You, whoa, it's this grief feeling that you have. So blessed are you when you're living, when you have a pure heart and grief comes to you when you're living inauthentically, essentially is what the whole of what Jesus is trying to tell us here. That happy are the authentic, but grief comes to the person who isn't real. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at those woes, not all of them, just going to look at a couple of them, and I want to help us understand what authenticity actually means. First of all, living authentically means no more spotlight. Living authentically means no more spotlight, okay? Um, after the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus continues on in a sermon, and this is what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Let me repeat that. Be careful not to practice your righteousness or display your righteousness or display your your faith or display your holiness or whatever you want to put in there. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. That's the objective of it. If you do, in other words, if you're just doing this for the show, this is what Jesus says, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Be careful that you're not doing the right things for the wrong reasons, basically, is what Jesus is telling us here, right? That we're not just exercising your faith to impress other people, 
Because if that's what you're doing, then guess what? That's your blessing. That somebody says, oh, wow, you're so amazing. There, you've got your reward. Somebody complimented you. You get nothing from God if you're doing it for that reason, right? See, if you step off the stage, if you get out of the spotlight, and Jesus later talks about going into your closet, which is in secret, God sees that. God sees who you are when the, spot, when the light's not shining on you, and he rewards you for that. So the question for us then is, am I living for the show? Am I living for the applause of men, or am I living for the audience of one? What are you living for? I don't know if you remember this. When I was a kid, I, I know for me, when I was a kid, like first grade or something like that, my teacher would have like a, a, a chart on the wall, a big chart on the wall that she would put uh, like a list of things that you could perform, performance type of things, you know, like, like uh, turn in your homework, you know, be kind to other kids, uh, wash your hands. Uh, probably for me, it was like, don't pee in your pants. I don't know. There's a whole list of things, right? Put, and then you have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you would get a star. Remember those little gold sticker stars? Anybody remember those? Yeah. You get a little gold sticker star, you know, and then we'd tell you what you, you know, whether you were. And so, man, that, that was like, that, that was my language. I'm like competition, you know, so I, I mean, I remember, like, remember telling my mom, my mom's, oh, you can't go to school, you're sick. I'm like, no, I got to go to school. I got to beat Susie. She's going to get more stickers than me. I've got to get more stickers than her, you know. I mean, it was a competition for me. I just had to make sure that I got all of those little gold stickers, little stars that would, get, you know, and I mean, we were, really, there was a Susie in first grade. I really was competing with her, you know, Susie. Man, she was just so much better than I was. <laughs> but what happens is this reveals that we've been trained early on to do this for the show, to do this for the stickers, right? In fact, maybe some of you are here right now, you're in church for the gold star, for the sticker. Just to be able to say, I did it. Sometimes we do things like feed the hungry or help the needy, and after we do it, we like we real quick make sure that we tweet that because <laughs> you got to show, you got to tell people how much you're really sacrificing, right? I think actually this is what Jesus is telling us is, look, if that's the life, if that's the way you want to live, that's your reward. And that's the kind of world that we live in right now, right? Social media is just a collection of spotlight lives, we want to present with our social media. We present all the things we want people to see, and then the things that we don't, we just kind of don't, that doesn't get on there. But the stuff that we want, to see, we want people to see. In fact, I saw this T-shirt that just, it's, it says exactly what, it, what, what, what it's like. May your life someday be as awesome as you pretended to be on Facebook. <laughs> right? So living authentically means no more spotlight. Living authentically also means no more costumes. We read in Matthew 23, you see that Jesus is critical of the religious leaders because they put all the emphasis on the outward appearance. They put all the emphasis on, you know, how a person looks on the outside. And we know what the Bible says. We know that the Bible speaks about looking at the heart. We know that the Bible challenges and encourages us to have a pure heart, right? To go after the heart. And yes, the Bible does talk about modesty and all that kind of stuff, but primarily we are judged by what's in our heart, the content of our heart. 
And so Jesus basically challenges in Matthew 23, he challenges the hypocrites. This is what he says um, to the hypocrites. Is Everything they do is for men to see or is for show. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels of their garments long. Now, if you've read this verse before, you're like, well, uh, I really don't know what a phylactery is, so I, I think I'm good on that one. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mess up there because I don't even know what a phylactery is, right? It's kind of a weird word, but let me explain what a phylactery is. Phylacteries were these little, these little leather boxes that were, that were created, and inside these leather boxes, they put parchments of scripture, little piece, tiny parchments of scripture inside these leather boxes. And, and then the religious leaders would tie one around their forearm, and then they would tie, around, tie one around their forehead. And the idea behind it was that God's word was going before them and God's word was guiding them. That's the idea behind the phylacteries. And so they would wear it to church, you know. And, and honestly, you know, you think about it, not a bad idea, right? God's word should be going before us. God's word should be guiding us, right, in life. That's the way it should be. And so in essence, it's not a bad thing, especially when you think about what it meant. But then... Somebody got the brilliant idea to supersize their phylactery. And so they show up in church, and they've got this big, gigantic phylactery. And somebody else in church watches them like, whoa, where did he buy that one? You know, did he, where did he, did he, there must be a special site on Amazon that you could order supersized phylacteries. And so he decides on his mind, he says, you know what? I'm gonna, if he can supersize his phylactery, then I'm going to shoebox size my phylactery, and I'm going to come back next week, and I'm going to have the entire Bible in my phylactery. And so this competition began. And basically what they were doing is they were trying to demonstrate by outward appearance how spiritual they really were. That because they had larger phylacteries, they knew more of God's word. It was all an outward show. He also criticizes them for supersizing their, their blue ribbon that they had on their garments. Same idea. Jesus makes it clear that the focus is not the outside. The focus is purity of heart. That you may dress however way or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily indicate whether you actually are, are pure of heart. You, don't, you might impress people with how you dress, but God is not necessarily impressed. God sees the heart. So let me just rephrase Matthew 25, 23, 5 a little bit with these words. Woe to you if you equate a person's outward appearance with their eternal standing. If you look at them on the outside in the media, you conclude, oh, that person is not a Christian. Oh, that person is going to hell. Oh, that person, whatever. I remember when I was in seminary, I don't know if I have time to talk about this, but I was in seminary, I, I took an a, a, a intensive Greek class during the summer. This is a few years back, and so I'm sitting in this Greek class, and to be honest with you, I, I was infected by some of this, this ideology of how you looked and all that. And so I'm sitting in this class, and this guy sits next to me, and his name was John, just, um, and I mean, he, he was sleeves of tattoos up his neck, up his arms. And I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, how do they let this guy here in seminary, you know? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking until I met John. And I realized that John loved Jesus. John's heart was pure. In fact, and he was 10 times better in Greek than I was. I mean, John was an amazing guy. 
And so it's this idea of looking at the outside and judging their heart based on what they look on the outside. Woe to you if you question a person's faith because they don't share your, your sense of, of style. Woe to you if you demean the worship of God by turning it into a religious fashion show. Woe to you if you spend hours in front of the mirror making sure that the outside looks okay, but spend no time making sure that the inside is clean and pure. This is what Jesus is telling us here. He comes down hard on this because they were using religion as a form of exclusion. So Jesus, that's not what it's about. Thirdly, living authentically means no more pretending. No more pretending. Jesus says in Matthew 23.3, they do not practice what they preach. They do not practice what they preach. They're just pretending. Like I said, it's exhausting to pretend to be more than what you really are on the inside. It's a miserable way to live. It's not a blessed life. A blessed life is found with a pure heart. Now, listen, if there's, <clears throat> if there's anyone in this room right now that's susceptible to pretending, he's standing in front of you. I do this every week. I stand up in front of almost 800 people every week. And... Uh, and I want you to see the best side of me. And I don't know if the reason I'm susceptible to it is because of my own insecurities. Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe it's just because I think I have an idea of what you expect of me as your pastor. And you feel like maybe your pastor should, should act a certain way or look a certain way or, or be a certain way. And therefore, maybe that's the reason for the pretense at times. I don't know. And so I thought it was important for, me, for you to know that, that I am human that I stand here as actually as one of you every Sunday morning when I preach. So I thought I could share with you something that would show that. So when I started thinking about it, it got scary really fast. <laughs> like I started going down a list of things like, no, I'm not going to say that. No, I will absolutely not. Am I going to say that? No, I'm not going to say that one. Maybe it would help you to know that at my house, there are holes in the doors, some doors in my house because there was a moment where I lost my temper with my kids. And I got so angry and I didn't want to punch them, so I punched a hole through the door. I'm ashamed to say that. Maybe I could tell you the times I've given way too much of my time over to serving this church at the expense of my own family. And at times that would be okay, but the ugly part of it is that I did it to impress you. I've been on this journey for a long, long time. And from the beginning, I've wanted to live authentic. It's hard to live authentic. Probably started back in the winter of 1989. I was a church planner in, in a little town called Leesville, Louisiana. I was newly married, had a one-year-old son, and, um, you know, brand new in ministry and trying to do my very best in ministry, you know. And so uh, uh, at that time, I, I only made $300 a month. That was my salary, 
working full time. And so my wife had to work, so she was working as a, she was a nurse, an RN at the local hospital there in the ICU. And so she would wake up in the mornings and she would dress my son Jonathan and get him all ready for, for daycare and then drop him off at this daycare at 6.30 in the morning, which was actually attached. The daycare was part of our, our church where, where, where I was pastoring. And so she would drop him off at 6.30 in the morning, and because it was 6.30 in the morning, he had to be picked up by 3 o'clock. That was the rule. There was a certain time frame in which he, he couldn't be there past that time. And I knew that particular Wednesday morning that it was my turn, I had to pick him up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, I went to work, you know, and I'm in the office, and within a few hours, pastor picks his head into my office and says, hey, Rich, you want to do some racquetball today? I'm like, yes, I love, I love to play racquetball. So I said, yeah, let's do some racquetball. We got the youth pastor in and another guy, and three of, all four of us, we headed out to Fort Polk where there was these gyms and, and basketball and racquetball courts. We started playing racquetball. We just, time just slipped away. We started playing all afternoon. And so I, I had forgotten that I was supposed to pick up Jonathan at three o'clock in the afternoon. And so I get back from racquetball and I'm, we had a, a shower at the church. And so I'm in the church showering, uh, this, 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 uh, in this bathroom showering and while I'm there, it's like 4.30 in the afternoon. While I'm there, I'm thinking, <gasps> that it dawned on me. I was supposed to pick Jonathan up. The first thing that hit me was sheer terror. Yes, I was afraid of Christy, yes. <laughs> but I was more afraid of Sister Ruth Bailey, <laughs> who was a daycare director. I mean, she would crucify me if she, I, so I was like hiding out from Ruth Bailey. This was before cell phones and all of that. So I'm, I'm calling the house trying to reach Christy to, to say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, because they called her from work and she had to go pick Jonathan up and whatever. I was trying to call her, but you know, she wasn't answering the phone, wasn't answering the phone, wasn't answering the phone. So a few hours passed and uh, now it's, it's almost church time. It's getting towards church time Wednesday night. I'm supposed to speak that night and uh, I get a phone call from Christy. And she's like, hey, I'm bringing Jonathan, you know, real, real, real sh- short. Hey, I'm bringing Jonathan over. You need to take him into the nursery. I'm not going to church. And then I was about to start to plead with her when click, it just hung up, you know. And then I start calling and didn't answer the phone, didn't answer the phone, you know. And so I'm standing out in the parking lot waiting for her, just like rehearsing my best. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I messed up. You know, I was trying to rehearse that, you know. And so I'm standing out in the parking lot. She pulls up, and I'm trying to talk to her about, you know, just let's, re- let's rethink this. I'm not going to church thing. And I'm pulling Jonathan out of the car seat. And then she just, before I, like, the car, the door was barely closed when she just sped off and she was gone, you know. So I take Jonathan to the nursery, drop him off. Then I'm standing out there in a the parking lot waiting for her to get back. Just standing there like a, like a total idiot. Just like, come on, I'm praying. I'm like begging Jesus. Jesus, just have her re- change her mind and come back to church. And I'm standing there, you know. And we're getting real close to the time of, you know, when we're supposed to start the service. And, uh, and she hasn't shown up, you know. And so one of the guys from our church comes down and says, Pastor, we're, we're ready to start service. Are you coming? And I lie to him. Be honest, I liked him. I said, oh, uh, you know what? Sister, that's what we call my wife. Sister, you know, it's a Puerto Rican church. Sister is, uh, you know, running late and she needs my help. And so I'm waiting to help her. And he's like, well, that's strange. Because sister's upstairs in, the, in, in church, you know. <laughs> and so all of a sudden I'm like, oh, God, talking now I got to deal with this one, you know. So, 
So then I, I you know, I, 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 I head back up to the service, you know, and we start the worship set, set and we're going through the whole worship set. And I'm thinking, this, I don't, this is terrible. And then I get up to preach, much like I'm doing right now in front of you. I had a choice at that point. I could have, I had a prepared sermon. I could have just preached my sermon. I could have pretended. I could have acted as if everything was fine, but there was this weight on my shoulders. Or I had the choice of being authentic. And so I'm about to start preaching, and I finally just looked up, and this is all in Spanish, but I said in, in Spanish, hey, hermanos, no puedo hacer esto. Brothers, I can't do this. And I turned to Christy, who was sitting kind of in the same where she's at right now, turned to her, and I said in English, Christy, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry that I took advantage of you. And she's crying. I'm crying. And the next thing you know, other women in the church are oh, crying. And then... <laughs> And then some guys are crying, and then four long guys are like, I'm so sorry, lo, lo siento, perdóname, perdóname, perdóname. You know, everybody's asking for, for, it turned out to be the best service we had ever had in that church. I know being com- comedic about it a little bit, but it's not easy sharing my weaknesses. It's not easy for anybody to share their weaknesses because... We don't want to appear weak. <clears throat> and there's part of me that wants your approval, but then I start thinking about it, and then I think about my wife. I think about my son and my daughter-in-law who are sitting out there. I think about my grandkids growing up. And I want more than anything else for them to know that this is what church is supposed to be all about. Living authentically that we are all humans saved by the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. But there's not a single one of of us in this room, including myself, that is not without sin. And every single one of us come to that place of forgiveness the same way by basically repenting and giving our lives over to Jesus. I want my kids, I want my grandkids to grow up in a church where they know it's not about the stickers. It's about truth truth and purity of heart. And that's what I want for this church. The Bible tells us in 1 John that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and that he will purify us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that. And when we come out and we're truthful and we're pure in heart and we have access to the Father, that's why probably the verse says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. You see God when you live authentically. In the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, there's a close connection between pure hands and a pure heart, clean hands and a pure heart. Psalm 24, 3 says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in the holy place, in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts. And there are 25 other verses just like this in the Old Testament. James 4 says this, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. 
And even to this day, this was, a, this was an ancient practice, even to this day, throughout uh, the Jewish world, throughout the Islamic world, before they worship God, before they enter into worship, they wash their hands, they wash their feet, they wash their faces, symbolizing that they're coming before God in authentic purity of heart. So I'm gonna ask you to stand this morning. We're gonna, we're gonna worship God for a few minutes. And as we worship God, here's what I'm asking of you. There's this little napkin that you're gonna open up in this package. Had a f- first the idea was we're gonna pass a bucket of water, but that, that didn't, after I thought about it for about five seconds, it was like bad idea. <laughs> but here's what I want us to do. I know that this is, this is just symbolic in nature and it, it very much is symbolic in nature, but here's what I'm asking us to do. I'm asking you to take this wipe and wipe your hands with it, wipe them clean. And let it be as a prayer to God. God, this is how I want my heart to be. I want my heart to be pure. I want my heart to be clean. God, I want to live authentically before you. I don't want to live, I don't want to be an actor anymore. I don't want to do this for the stickers. God, I want to do this because I want to be pure and clean before you. And as you do that, you whisper that prayer to God. Now, I wish that that's all you ever had to do to actually have a purity of heart or live authentically. If you meant that prayer as you wipe your hands, it's going to translate into a few people you're going to reach out to and you're going to confess a few things. You're going to share some of your failures and your sins. You're going to go to a spouse, a husband or a wife and you're going to say, hey, I'm sorry that I have been doing this and I really ask for for your forgiveness. You're gonna reach out to a person when there's a broken relationship and and just try to be authentic and truthful with them as, as much as you can. There's freedom to be found there. So we're gonna worship God now and as we worship, let this be an opportunity for you to just open up your heart before God. Our prayer teams are gonna be here on the left and right And this is an opportunity as well for you to step out and say, God, I I am. And they're ready to to, to pray with you, all right? Let's, Let's worship together. This is the Life Church Podcast. 